welcome back to the ninth edition of the Hunker Down podcast based out of Athens, Georgia. I'm your co-host Brendan Kerner sitting alongside Lance McCurley and we are talking about once again for I believe the fourth week in a row the number one team in the nation the Georgia Bulldogs absolute route over four and five now four and six Charleston Southern last weekend 56 to seven Lance what'd you see from that game? Man, uh, the touchdown by Jordan Davis obviously sticks out. Uh, that was awesome to see. But uh, Georgia just got after their quarterback, Jack Chambers, who I believe is a Marietta native uh, kind of all day long. Um, Stetson obviously didn't play too much. He was 8 of 14 for 105 yards, two touchdowns, and the interception. The interception ball was actually tipped. Um, I think it was Warren Erickson that kind of uh, – kind of got lost on that play and let their defensive lineman get his hand on it. Other than that, man, Georgia, uh, you know, it wasn't the smoothest game in the world. They lost the turnover battle, but, I mean, it really didn't matter. But just kind of some uh, house things that they're going to look to clean up against uh, Georgia Tech um, earlier or earlier in the game. Uh, you know, they're hoping to clean up against Georgia Tech this upcoming weekend. So that's about it. Offense is still booming. Defense is still booming. So they're kind of firing on all cylinders right now. Yeah, and I kind of want to get into something quick that happened over this past week. Brock Bowers, you know, had two touchdown receptions uh, in last Saturday's game, but was left out as a finalist for the Mackey Award, which is, the you know, the best tight end in college football. Uh, and I looked at the stats earlier this morning. And I was confused on why he would be left out, at least in the conversation and going to the award finale, because he ha- he leads college football in the tight end category in touchdowns and proved it last week. So, Lance, why do you think he got snubbed from this Mackey Award? Who really knows? My kind of thing is I did see your tweet, and I'm in agreement, but Brock has two or three more years with Georgia, uh, knock on wood. So, uh you know, I think that uh, he'll win it if he keeps up his production. He might win a couple of more awards other than, uh, you know, that specific award. Um, you know, he's having a great freshman season, obviously. Uh, I'm not going to make – I'm going to make somewhat of a comparison, but it's not really that good of a comparison. Herschel Walker as a freshman didn't win the Heisman Trophy when he well-deserved it in 1980. Uh, South Carolina's George Rogers won it, so – you know, that's that's not really much of a comparison, but, uh, you know, either way, Herschel won it. You know, I know Brock's not up for the Heisman, but Herschel won it, you know, in his career in Georgia. So Brock has the same, uh, you know, um, stamina, and, you know, he's really, really, he's really, really good player, and he's already developed, but just uh, hoping that uh, Todd Hartley and Todd Monken and Kirby can uh, develop him some more, and so he can actually collect that award as a uh, upperclassman somehow. And then talking about development defensively, you know, last Saturday, Javon Bullard, a, a native of Milledgeville, Georgia, you know, we cover, we are both reporters at the Lake Oconee uh, News, so we, uh, you're familiar with him. What did you think about his performance and then tying the team lead in tackles? He was impressive. Um, you know, he's, I think he's coming off a slight injury uh, a couple of weeks ago. But, you know, I was really impressed with the Georgia's uh, freshman class overall. Um, you got to see Xavier Sori, you got to see Smile Mondon, you got to see Jonathan Jefferson. Um, you know, 
Jamon Dumas Johnson has made some plays on defense this year. Um, I think Georgia's against Charleston Southern. Their first or their top six leading tacklers were all freshmen, I believe. I'd have to go back and check, but you know, it really kind of shows you, um, you know, what Georgia has in store for the future. Obviously, we talk about development. Those guys are going to have to. Uh, you know they're they're doing that and they're learning that defense and uh, all these different positions and learning how to be versatile right now. But uh, you know a lot of those guys could be on the field as starters next year because I think that Georgia's going to end up losing uh, seven or eight starters on defense and maybe even nine, and they can only have two coming back. So you know those guys are going to have to play early and often next year. So it was good seeing them on the field. And as we kind of roll into this weekend's game against good old Georgia Tech out in Atlanta, Georgia, the 404, the in-state rivalry, has not been a rivalry since about 2016 when Georgia Tech beat Georgia on the last second mishap, winning by a touch or winning by a point. But you know, Georgia comes into this game against the Yellow Jackets, six, leading leading the series all time, 68, 41, and five. And, and they've won the last five, I think, four or five uh, contests between the, the Jackets and the Bulldogs. So, you know, what can we expect this weekend uh, from, you know, specifically Georgia's offense? Um, because we know what the defense does. What can the offense prove, I guess, to the Georgia, the audience? You know, what can they prove to, you know, maybe – Ease their, ease their, you know, stress going into this SEC championship game against Alabama? Well, a lot of people say Georgia doesn't have an offense, and uh, I'm not saying that you don't, but a lot of people I see on Twitter and social media, I got it right here, Georgia's averaging uh, 440 yards of total offense a game. It's pretty split down the middle. They're averaging uh, 201 yards on the ground and 239 yards uh, through the air, um, and you know, I think they I think this is they're averaging forty point three points a game, so be forty points a game, and I think that's the most under Kirby Smart. Uh, and this is the end of uh, the last regular season game of uh, year six, so I think the offense is improving. Obviously, the offensive line plays really, really bad, bad sometimes, but I really think that's just a problem with inconsistency and injuries and stuff like that. You've seen Jamari Salyer get injured. You know, you've seen Justin Schaefer banged up. It obviously sucks losing Tate Rattledge the first game of the year. So, you know, they've just been kind of shifting around guys. I'd like to see them, you know, play a full game um, and, you know, just put it put it all together because they're going to need it against Alabama next week. Um, I'd love to see some more consistency through the air. Obviously, it's that, that um, whole thing has been a huge topic this year with Stetson Bennett and JT Daniels and Carson Beck and all that. But uh, I'd like to see, uh, you know, Stetson has some of the better pass passing uh, stats in the country, but I'd love to see him get more uh, proficient. Um, and if he can play like he did in the first half against Alabama last year, and if he can apply that to this game against Georgia Tech and against this upcoming game in the SEC Championship against Alabama – Man, I think the Georgia can win the national championship with Stetson Bennett, and I'm saying that right now. Book it. Vegas, take them to the table. Put it on the books. Lance is saying that uh, Stetson Bennett's going to lead this dog team to a national championship if all goes well. It also helps when you've got a defense like that, too, that's number one scoring defense in the country and only giving up seven and a half points per game right now. Oh, yeah, and then and 
Georgia Tech just recently kind of changing their whole usual scheme of now kind of modernizing their offense, going a little more to the spread. Um, and they've got a couple decent guys offensively. I mean, Jeff Sims is their quarterback, throwing low 60% completion percentage. He has 12 touchdowns on the year, seven interceptions. So I do think Georgia's defense will not have a tough time exploiting the inexperience of Sims, and he'll probably throw at least a, a pick or two. Um, so if there's a prop bet come Saturday on a, a defensive turnover or a turnover on Georgia Tech, go ahead and book it for me as well. But Lance, as uh, most people know, it is Thanksgiving weekend, and it's you know tomorrow, November 25th. We are recording this as of November 24th uh, this week, uh, Wednesday. But we thought it'd be cool to kind of go over our top moments in Georgia football history that we're the most thankful for, you know, happening, whether that be, you know, something great happening on the field, off the field, uh, a player coming in, a coach leaving, you know, I don't know. But we got a couple of, of moments, and I'm going to go ahead and lead it off with this is going to be a really, really basic response. Um, a lot of people probably have this one. But the 27-yard run by Sony Michelle in 2018's Rose Bowl against Oklahoma. I had just gotten accepted into the university, not really knowing what that meant at the time. I didn't really know how good of a school Georgia was. I didn't want to go to Georgia. But I was over at a buddy's place watching the game, and I just remember that moment and that it was just so electric. I think it was the first moment that I realized, dang, before I even get to Athens, I think I'm going to fall in love with Athens. And I've been, you know, I've been correct. I've been in Athens the past four years, and I've loved absolutely everything I've seen and then been around, uh, you know, kind of exiting my senior year now. So that was a great moment for me. I'm really thankful that happened, and I got to witness it. Lance, what about you? Let's see. As a kid, probably the coolest moment was 2007 blackout versus uh, Auburn. I was in seventh grade. We, You know, I grew up going to the games. Uh you know, you see Brandon Katu and, uh, you know, Matthew Stafford, I think, come out and Noshan uh, come out, um, come out, come out uh, in uh, red and red jerseys. And then you're like, oh, this whole crowd's in black. And then, uh, you know, usually this is when it was in the other end zone when Georgia would run out on the opposite of what they do now. And then they would usually come out, you know, 10 yards to where the Bulldog is and you know, get hyped up and then run through, but they actually held them back. And then you could see one or two of them, you know, bouncing, uh, you know, back from behind that curtain and they run out in black. They play back in black by ACDC, which is actually the first time I'd ever heard that song. Great drinking song when you're in college, by the way. I know you're still in college. Or is that, uh, that's every, any ACDC song is great. But, uh, you know, they just run out and that was pretty, it's pretty magical and pretty uh, great moment spent with my dad. All right, my next one, I'm, I'm going to go a little funny, um, but I, you know, my, my parents and my, my extended family have, have been Georgia fans, and I've grown up in Georgia, so yeah, I've been around a bunch of Bulldog games, a bunch of Bulldog moments, but nothing as funny as Joe Cox's last game as a Bulldog after following a, a, a Matthew Stafford leaving for the NFL year in 2009 he beat Texas A&M 44-20, completed just over 53% of his passes, had two touchdowns and a pick for 158 yards. If that doesn't sum up a Joe Cox victory 
for his last game, just so underwhelming. You know, his team lost five games that year. So, uh, you know, I was so glad for Georgia fans to see him leave, and, and at least it ended on a good note. 2019 Notre Dame when I was still a student, that was probably uh, another game I got to experience. My dad and my friends tailgated all day, drank all weekend. It was a fun time. Notre Dame's probably never going to come back to San Francisco Stadium in my lifetime. Man, what a weekend that was. Uh, and, you know, uh, getting that getting that uh, you know win um, over the Fighting Irish was pretty cool. And, you know, Athens was just absolutely electric all weekend. I think I was drunk all weekend, but it was I remember every every bit of it. And it was so much fun. Well, alrighty, I think that will wrap it up for me. Those are my top two most thankful moments in Georgia football history. And before we wrap the show up, you know, since we are recording on Wednesday, the playoff rankings just dropped yesterday. And it is super interesting after Utah routed Oregon last weekend, 38-7. Now the college football playoff standings set at Georgia number one, Ohio State jumping Alabama to number two after absolutely thraxing Michigan State 56-7. Alabama at three, and then they put Cincinnati at four, the first time a non-Power 5 team has been ranked in the top four for the college football playoff modern era. And then right behind them, you got Michigan, Notre Dame, and Oklahoma State realistically having a shot at getting in. Lance, what, what, what do you think? What can you, you know, see clearly in this madness and chaos that is the ending of college football, uh, you know, the 2021 college football season? Man, it would be super nice if Georgia wouldn't have to play uh, Ohio State. Um, even though I think they're the second best team in the country. That's what I'd be thinking, you know, as a Georgia fan. But, uh, you know, it's really weird to think that Oklahoma State is, you know, really, really in it. They were, you know, they were like, I think, like nine last week. I don't know what, I don't know what they are now, but Michigan is probably going to lose this weekend. Um, Whoa, whoa, whoa. My, hey, well, the the, the Wolverines might make it a game. It's not going to be a game, dude. I know you're a Michigan. I forgot you're a Michigan fan, but Ohio State's probably going to thrax them. I think Georgia beats Alabama, so that takes Alabama uh, out of it. Who knows? Cincinnati could lose uh, in whatever conference they're in, G5 championship, whatever that is. Man, it could get interesting. I think uh, you know Oklahoma State wins Bedlam, runs table, wins the uh, Big 12 championship, and then things starts to kind of fall but I think Michigan would have to beat Ohio State for that and I don't think that's going to happen what I think really it would be uh, chaotic is Georgia beats Alabama and then Cincinnati loses to Houston in that conference championship obviously there's no way you can put Cincinnati in at that point but now you have let's just say Oklahoma State doesn't run the table because I think the more intriguing team that's in the mix right now is Notre Dame because Notre Dame hasn't really played anybody this year they beat they lost to Cincinnati by 14 but here's my question to you then Lance you know if that happens and Oklahoma State's out Michigan is out and Ohio State takes care of business and Cincinnati loses is Alabama gonna get in because then you'd have Notre Dame moving up to three, assuming they went out. And then you have either Alabama at two losses, Oklahoma State at two losses, Michigan at two losses. I mean, what are you, you going to do? You might have to give it back to Alabama. 
and then we'd see a 1v4 matchup of Alabama and, and Georgia again. I don't know what's going to go on this year. I think this is the most exciting college football playoff year that we've had as of uh, recent just because Alabama and, or Clemson's not number one right now. Man, that's just too much uh, information for my head right now. I'd have to really back, really uh... – you know, sit down and look at it and, uh, you know, kind of figure out what, um, you know, could happen. And you're completely right that your scenario could work out, but man, it's just, I'm just enjoying the ride. This is the, uh, rivalry week and, uh, championship week, I think are the best, uh, two weeks of the year. I could be more. I get to see the Bulldogs probably smack down on the Yellow Jackets and then I get to be delightfully disappointed when the Wolverines lose to uh, the Buckeyes. Uh, those are my two games I love to watch every single Thanksgiving weekend. But thank you, audience, too. Every time y'all come and listen to the Hunker Down podcast, we really appreciate it. And, you know, we do this, take the times out of our days just to appease the viewers. And, you know, we are all, we're doing it for y'all, even on Thanksgiving break. So, That'll wrap it up. Ninth edition Hunker Down Podcast. Lance, Brendan, coming at you next week for an uh, SEC Championship edition when the Bulldogs will take on the Crimson Tide in a couple weeks. Everybody have a wonderful night.